1: Mental health is my wealth, the stress up on the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seeking ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe
0: out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The Big
1: Silence. The Big Silence. Well, Demi
0: Lee, Tebow, welcome to the Big Silence podcast. Hi. So, so good to see you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this.
1: I'm excited to talk to you too. And so I'll say you're an entrepreneur from South Africa and motivational speaker. Your philanthropy work is incredible. Your story. um, And also you were 2017 Miss South Africa and Miss
0: Universe. That is right. It feels like ages ago at this point. But I, I was,
1: but it's not. I was thinking, I always <laughs> say like I predate everything to 2020 and I'm like, we kind of lost a couple of years. So it's only like yeah. a few years ago.
0: <laughs> it's not fair. So basically three years ago, right? Yeah.
1: So what was it like? I've never been to South Africa. What was it like growing
0: up there? Man, it is just one of it's it truly like Cape Town, which is you know one of our main cities, is truly one of one of my favorite places in the world. um I grew up about four hours away from Cape Town in a very, very small, tiny little town, like when I say tiny, it's literally named like. The first slow town in Africa, which I actually don't even know what the definition of a slow town is, but you can make it up. You can envision what a slow town looks like. We would buy, you know, our groceries on like the Saturday farmers market. Everybody truly knows everyone. Um, I actually just got back from South Africa a couple of weeks ago and, um, I went back one to obviously see my, my family. Everyone is still back. Back home. So I'm, I'm really the only one here in the U S. And it was crazy. Speaking of years and how time flies, I actually just had my 10 year high school reunion. So talk about like starting to like that like age thing starting to keep up on me. It was like the first time I feel like, Oh, kind of, yeah, like I'm actually getting older now, you know? So, um, but being back home, I mean, you know, you run into literally everyone, everyone mm-hmm. that that you've known that you've grown up with and that's really sweet i loved loved that about growing up in a small town but in general south africa is such a such a vibrant country i, I i'm so grateful that south africa was a part of you know setting the foundation in my life it truly shaped like the woman i am today and um, the views i have today the opinions i have today the woman i am today um, and i think in a in a big way South Africa created a, a lot of resilience in me that wasn't necessarily always fun in the moment, but looking back now, it's something I'm so grateful for and and wouldn't change for anything in the world.
1: Yeah. Because now you live in Florida.
0: Yep. Florida's home for us right now. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you miss South Africa or you go back there
0: a lot? Always. Yeah. I, I always, always. There's, you know, like my friends um, have, they came with to visit me for well, you know, after COVID, everything was closed and locked down and borders were closed. And so my my friends that I made in the U.S., the, the first time they were able to, to come and visit was um, was last year. And they loved it so much. They literally came back twice in one year. So and now, you know, whenever I go back, it's like, oh, please, can you get us that? Or can you, can you go buy us that from that specific store? Or so that's, you know, there's so many things that you miss. The one thing I'll tell you, the one thing that I really miss about South Africa is our U.S. Humor. Oh. um it, well america, we're not funny in america <laughs> yeah but you know like humor is is so like culturally motivated yeah. and influenced and like politically as well and let me tell you if there's one country in the world that can't take anything seriously it's south africa and like the I best, love that. It, yeah. yeah In like the best way um we're currently going through this whole thing of like having a ton of power outages in the country. And I mean, like the memes and the jokes and the, you know, it's, it's, but that's one thing social media helps so much with because you, you really feel just close, close to home and and that's great. So, but yeah, I miss it so much. I go back as often and as much as I can and I stay for as long as I can. That's
1: amazing. And so I want to talk about you were Miss South Africa in 2017 and then went on to be Miss Universe. What is that process like? And emotionally too the competition i don't know i have have no clue but it seems like such a big process and how you come into that and your why around it
0: i always envisioned miss south africa as really more of a spokesperson spokesperson role more of like an ambassadorship um at least when i entered i you know i felt like it was a platform for young women to really elevate themselves to gain a platform that you wouldn't have gained any other way and specifically in south africa i've never felt like that it was just uh just a pageant just pretty ball gowns pretty dresses growing up watching the pageant so many previous Miss south africans were huge role models to me Mm -hmm. a bit you know had a really big influence in my life pre pre pre-instagram pre-facebook and Mm -hmm. um I don't remember a time where I specifically said, Hey, I want to be Miss South Africa one day. I never grew up doing a ton of like pageants other than like the mall pageant close to our home because you get like vouchers to the mall to go shopping if you win, you know? So, um, but I, I do remember telling myself like, that's the type of woman I want to be one day. It's always been something very influential in my life. And so, um, it's actually a very, I would say strenuous process. I mean, from entering to competing. I think it was over six months. I entered like in June, and the final was like in in March. You know, on and off of interviews and appearances and challenges and all the stuff. And in the you know, your training, there's girls that literally put their jobs on hold or their studies on hold to be able to compete. And and that's kind of how serious people take it. I remember when I entered, I was like, man, like I really have to give this my best because coming back and going through this whole thing again, if I do not win, um, would be a lot. And I don't know if that's a commitment that, you know, that I would financially, physically, emotionally be able to make. So I've worked really, really hard. And my mom always, my mom always told me as a little girl, Hey, Demi, if you do something, like whatever you do in life, make sure you do it well. Like if you, clean homes for a living, like, make sure those homes are the cleanest homes on this planet. If you become an actress, like, make sure you know your script better than anyone. You can outwork anyone um, if you're dedicated, if you're disciplined. And that was something that I've kind of implemented in my life from a young age.
1: Yeah. And I can see, because you were a woman on a mission and you had a mission to share. And you went through, well, then you went on to when Miss Universe... And teach everyone then how to be unbreakable. You went through a really uh, traumatic experience. Can you
0: share that? Are you open to sharing it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of when I said earlier, South Africa made me very resilient. Mm-hmm. You know, the fight against gender-based violence, especially against women and children in our country, is is very real. And I think it's something that you know every women in South Africa grows up knowing about. I think, you know, most people would be able to say that they know someone or they know someone that knows someone that um, that's been affected in one way or another, whether that's a stranger in a relationship, you know, growing up in South Africa, it's always been something that's been kind of top of mind to to look out for myself, to have my own back, to be aware, to um, you know, be cognizant of my surroundings. My my dad like made me learn how to change a tire on on my car before I was before I was allowed to drive my vehicle, and mm-hmm. um, I went. I've, I've gone on like many safety driving courses and women's empowerment courses, and to me that was kind of normal, which is. Which, you know, now living in a different country, having a different perspective, you know, e- each place has its own problems. I've traveled a ton and that's one, one common thread that I know like each, co- yeah, one country might manage one thing better than another, but everybody has their own problems. So it's not that, you know, any place is better than another. It's just different. And, um, since I've moved to America, you know, I've realized that so many things that I took as normal is not supposed to be the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on my way to an event, one, one, it was a Wednesday afternoon, broad daylight, peak hour at traffic, half past five in the afternoon, I was all dressed up, I was in South Africa at the time, had just like one a couple months ago, and I stopped at a red traffic light, um, about to turn into the parking lot, it was like the event was hosted in a mall. And I was about to turn, just waiting for the light to turn, and you know, peak hour traffic, especially in Johannesburg, South Africa, it's kind of like a shopping mall on the street. You have vendors, you have people trying to sell, sell you sodas, like you have people that make like the most beautiful beadwork, and people catching you know public transportation home and walking, and it's just like a hustle and bustle. And so there's so much happening usually in peak hour traffic, but because I've gone through some form of training before, I I was aware, I was checking my mirrors, I was not on my phone. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, the perfect, like, hey, here's the perfect way to do it. Like, no, but that was something that was really helpful in the situation. I noticed, um, I think it was three men on my left hand side. And I immediately remembered, hey, if if they are coming for me for whatever reason, there has to be a guy on on the right hand side. That's what I was taught. On and side note, we we drive on the right hand side of the yeah. of the car, and we opposite sides, right? So um, I'm sitting in the right hand side, and the next moment I see these men approaching me. I just had a bad feeling. I you know I kept like hoping, praying, like this you know this is going to be fine. Like they're just going to maybe ask you for money or try and sell me something. But deep down, I, I knew, like my instinct told me like that this is something is not right. This is, you know, this is not going to be good. And the moment I noticed the guy on my right hand side, he, he walked straight towards my vehicle. And I just, I just tried not to make eye contact, I just prayed for this traffic light to turn green, like, come on. And the next moment, the guy on the right hand side knocked on my window. And I like very briefly, like glanced over to just uh, well, one, I want to see what's, what's happening. And two, you know, I'm not just going to get out of the car for no reason and run away. Um, while he knocked, I kind of glossed over, I ignored him. And the next moment, um, when he knocked again and I looked and I looked forward, it, the, the, one of the men on the, on the other side of the vehicle pointed a gun right to my head, like oh. over, the, you know, like over the windshield, like, yeah. uh, or the windscreen, like kind of, um, lying over it. And at that moment I realized, well, like I have three choices. I can do nothing. I can try and run or, you know, at that point it wasn't necessary to fight back necessarily, but that was an option. Right. But I, I immediately, you know, decided to surrender, to get out of the vehicle, to get away. And that's exactly what I did. But the moment I tried running away, the guy on my side of the vehicle officer searching me, you know, for personal belongings and stuff, grabbed me and grabbed me by my arm, tried to push me back into the vehicle, um, and I realized, well, okay, I tried to, to run away. That didn't work. I can still do nothing or I can try and fight back. And I remembered, like, in that moment that the second destination was ne- will never get better than the first destination. Whatever's about to happen in your driveway is not going to get better somewhere downtown in some dark alley, right? Like, mm-hmm. we can, I think, all agree to that. So, um, I, dec- I'm, I decided I'm not going to comply. Yes, I might get shot, but I can get a try and find my way out of this at least try Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: i i remembered one one self-defense workshop that i attended that taught us like one move just one move and that was how to punch someone really hard in their throat and i was like well if there's ever a time that i'm going to use that skill it's going to be now and i've tried to punch him as hard as i could in, in his throat i mean by no means did i hurt him or disable him, but I startled him enough to buy me a split second of opportunity, a small window of opportunity to get out and to run away. And that's exactly what I did. This was really traumatic. That whole process was really traumatic. But Karina running up that Avenue, broad daylight, half past five in the afternoon, knocking on window after window after window, and nobody would stop to help me.
1: Really in the cars, nobody.
0: nobody would stop yeah like in traffic nobody would stop and there were
1: witnesses when this was happening
0: i mean the people their windows were open they could hear me it was bumper to bumper traffic you know people could hear what i was saying i i'll never forget this one woman's face she she had her window open i said hey I've, i've been carjacked please can you help me the guys are literally right there like please can you let me to safety and she just like shooed me away like said get like get away from me like and like rolled up her window and i'll like never forget her i obviously like startled her and probably caught her off guard but yeah you know, i'll never forget that moment of like not knowing what what's next looking behind not knowing if i'm being shot in the back not knowing if then i start thinking you know are any of these like cars that i'm walking on like yeah. are they a part of it they're
1: like get on, um, yeah yeah
0: yeah right so um that i can talk a lot about but i feel like i've talked a lot anyway i just realized you know after going through trauma, trauma counseling, working through the scenario, I realized like I never want to be one of those cars that decide to turn a blind eye, decide not to see, decide to look the other way. It's one thing if we don't know, but it's another thing when we know and we decide not to do anything.
1: Yeah, that's so. One thing you mentioned in the beginning is your intuition, and you knew like you felt something. What would your advice be for someone who this is happening to and their in- intuition?
0: Listen, I'm, I'm no expert. I don't have a degree in psychology or anything, but I, I can talk from experience. And one thing that I know is, especially as women, we've been told culturally so many times and I, I you know see this, every woman I've met from whatever country that might be, I think we can resonate with, we've been told to not make a scene, to not make a fuss, to not cause drama, right? Like yeah. don't cause drama, just behave and like be firm and proper and do what you're supposed to be doing and I actually don't think that is that is that is what we should be doing you know I I don't think that we ever need to stay quiet so that somebody else can stay comfortable yeah. and if there was a moment in my life where that really came to fruition was It was in that carjack situation and listen i know that a carjack situation is might be very far fetched and that might be something that hopefully a lot of your listeners never never have to go through or never experience but you know that counts for that new friendship that new relationship that you're embarking on and you're there's something that doesn't feel right and you don't want to be dramatic about it and you don't want to cause a scene about it so you just kind of go with it right yeah I had a situation
1: at a gas station when I lived in LA, and my husband and I were driving to Palm Springs, and I had one of my dogs. I have five dogs. I know you have three, so I have two dogs. Your dogs are are much. (laughs) (laughs) Your dogs are much bigger than mine. Mine are all like (laughs) five to seven, eight pounds, (laughs) but (laughs) love them. Um, But so I had one of them on my lap at the gas station. My husband was pumping gas. And I started looking around and being aware and I noticed that people were starting to surround. And I was like, mm-hmm. No, I'm in my head, not that's nothing, you know? Yeah. And then I started mm-hmm. getting nervous and like thinking, and I should have, you know, told my husband, just get in the car, let's go. But God did something where a police officer pulled up next to us and mm-hmm. said, Get near to my husband, get in your car. So you're about to have a carjacking. And he was like, what? She's like, just get in your car, and I'm going to guide you back to the freeway and make sure you're safe. Wow. And so he was like, he got in the car, and we drove, and the police officer helped us. You know, she drove for a few miles behind us, Mm -hmm. and we were just, like, quiet the whole drive to Palm Springs. Just like, what could have happened if, because I didn't speak up. I wasn't like, Bobby, you know, I didn't want to, you know, and we were just like, wow, what you know would have happened, especially with our dog in there? I'm like, what if they stole our dog? <laughs> but, oh. or just our life. It's just, yeah, your intuition just, you know, what are, what is your, you had to go, you went through trauma counseling after that mm-hmm. experience. And yeah. how, I'm just curious, because I know with trauma, then putting yourself back in that situation again, did it take you a long time to be able to
0: drive alone again or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, Yes, definitely. I um I went I I I like attended trauma counseling sessions and we actually did I think it's called EMDR. Um done that. Yeah. yeah, and wow, like that was truly something that it's like the one with it's like the tapping therapy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like yeah, and so um that was something that was like really really helpful. So, I wasn't able to attend counseling like right away. It took like about a week for me to, you know, get set up and like get into a uh, like sessions and stuff. Um, and, and that, I just remember like, it probably took like a month for me to sh- take a shower mm-hmm. and to open my eyes in the shower, like, mm-hmm. it, like washing my hair. I mean, to close my eyes in the shower, like washing my hair, like face running down my water, my eye, my face, water running down. what do I, <laughs> I, get it, I get it. <laughs> I was say water running down my face, and I just I couldn't like close my eyes because I was so scared that with the water running, I wasn't going to hear if somebody was you know entering my building. Oh, and with the car jack, something else that also was very traumatizing is they they took my home keys, and they never ended up getting away with my car, mm-hmm. and my my car keys were in the car, so there were just a lot of uh, you know i don't know why they were there i don't know if they were just there to grab my handbag and my personal belongings i i, I don't know if they were there for me i have no idea and i i don't want to speculate yeah. but they got away with my home keys and that was you know that was concerning so um and then you know i think i left my car literally at the mall parking lot because police did fingerprints and all that stuff um you know I think I left my car there for like a week and I just I was like I just don't care like it can stay there for as long as it needs like I honestly literally don't care I, I don't want to it in. Back. I don't want get in it
1: I'd be like take it
0: <laughs> Yeah, something else
1: I wouldn't be able <laughs> yeah. to get back in
0: I've- that's right and so you know i i remember like once i got my car back and i was like okay like now now's the time to like put your big girl panties on and like get back in this car and like you can't have a driver forever like or you know n- uber is not necessarily the safest alternative either so um you know i would like i remember like getting back in my car for the first time like being on the phone with my mom or my dad or my boyfriend at the time or whoever that my management or whoever that was at the time and just like the whole way driving like just having someone on the phone and i would remember i remember i wouldn't even necessarily speak to them i'd just be like hey can you just put the phone on speaker and i'm just gonna be driving just in case I need anything, like can you just be here? And that was really comforting, giving myself just that, um, yeah, just like giving myself the option to to do that and it was was very comforting but I also would like get up at like four in the morning to go to the gym and like m- make sure I miss peak hour traffic and like would reschedule everything in my diary so that, you know, I don't drive between certain times of the day. And I also realized, you know, that's, that's not the way to live. Like I can't avoid this forever. Um, If I can, like, sure. Like nobody wants to sit in traffic anyway. Um, But if I can avoid this, you know, I would want to, Um, but it took, it took a while. And I, you know, I remember like, Probably like three years later, um, we had just gotten married and like COVID just hit. And I was folding away laundry in our, our guest bedroom and my husband was in, um, like in our, in, in our living room, like watching football. And I knew he was there because I just like literally left from there and I'm just folding laundry in the, in the guest bedroom that's just next door. And the next moment, like, I hear somebody knocking on the guest bedroom door like from the outside Mm. and um I had like I had experienced a lot of dreams of like that I'm like yelling and nobody can hear me or that like no sound you know like yeah I've I've definitely had a lot of dreams like that um and when when that happened when the knock happened like when that somebody knocked like I just like belted out like the biggest yell and like my husband came running and it actually was my husband that took the dogs out to go potty and he just like the light it was dark so it's night night time so the light was on inside and I couldn't see out but he could see in and so he was just laughing, that would freak like, me waving. out too I know he was just waving at me looking like, <laughs> you're, blo- like hey! you're,
1: you're like having a panic attack
0: <laughs> but you know I don't know the psychology behind this but after that moment of like running and like getting that yell out was also very freeing in a way, you know, especially after having like, I don't know, those dreams. I don't even know the psychology behind this, but yeah. having those dreams of, of feeling like I can't speak up um, in a way that was even freeing, you know?
1: Yeah. So can yeah. we talk about Unbreakable a little more? Because yeah. obviously this is I would assume what led you to start Unbreakable to empower women and teach, bring in experts around self-defense. So what is your work with that?
0: Yeah. So the Carjack truly served as a catalyst to me learning about more about gender-based violence, specifically in in South Africa. And then it kind of snowballed into me learning about the fight against human trafficking. That snowballed into me learning about labor trafficking, um, about bonded labor trafficking, about, I mean, the list goes on and on. And it's just, it truly is one of the greatest evils I think we face in our world today. Um, So, you know, I'm not saying that I was human trafficked. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that incident served as a catalyst to me learning about something I genuinely did not know existed in the year 2017. And as we're speaking today, there's an estimated, I mean, I can't even believe the number that I'm about to utter out of my mouth, but there's an estimated 50 million people trapped in human trafficking around the world. Wow. I mean, it's unfathomable. It's a, you know, then you also wonder like it's a 150 billion plus dollar industry per year. You know like there's a lot that doesn't add up there's a lot that is is not right and um you know it's not something that's easy to speak about it's not something that's comfortable it's not a you know a fun conversation starter per se um but like i said earlier you know karina like once i learned about that and once i knew i knew that i couldn't turn it turn a blind eye, I knew that I couldn't do nothing about this. Right. Um, and, you know, I I think a lot of the times we get, we si- we silence ourselves and we quiet ourselves because we think that we can't have a big enough impact. We think if we don't, you know, donate a million dollars, it's not going to make any difference. If we don't start our own foundation, it's not, it's not going to be worth anything. We We, you know, we play it down so much, but, you know, I feel like, As a community, we all, and as a a country and as a world, we all have different things that we bring to the table. And so, that made me take a step back and just realize hey what is it that i get to bring to the table well one i have a platform i had like sixty thousand followers at that time and um, as in my south africa days and i had all these connections with self-defense experts and safety driving forces and um psychologists and law enforcement and legal representatives and i had all these people that i knew that helped me that walk that road with me that came alongside me you know after the fact and I realized well what if I like bring this to women in South Africa, like what if I give other women the same opportunity to learn the skills and the knowledge and therefore gain those practical tools um, that I was able to to learn before this incident. And so that's where Unbreakable was born. Um, I started it as a confidence building workshop. Once again, a carjack situation is, you know, not something a lot of people will experience in their lifetime. But, you know, we go through Phases of self-doubt every single day in our life. And Unbreakable focuses on educating, equipping, and empowering women from all walks of life to be able to handle every single day life situations. And the key word is with confidence. How can you step up and like, you know, in in any day life situations, how can you go to the grocery store with confidence? How can you go and start that workout, which I know you're very, very passionate about, you know, how can you walk into the gym with with confidence? How um, do you end this relationship? with confidence that's not right for you, that's not serving you well. Um, everyday life situations, how do we tackle that? And so now a couple years down the line, um, we are actually having um, our first post-hurricane season last year canceled our first Unbreakable that we were launching. And I can't believe it's the same time this year. We're <laughs> sitting with the same situation. But we're having um, our first Unbreakable on the 7th of October here in hometown Jacksonville, Florida. And I know you had Dr. Caroline leave on yes. your podcast. A little bit ago she's just she's actually a fellow south african believe yes, it or not yes. yeah. um she's lived here way longer than me though so and then eve um torres gracie who's a part of the legendary gracie family and they have their own of uh, woman empowerment um like workshops that you literal self-defense workshop. So um we'll have guest speakers. We're partnering with IJM, which um their organization that do incredible work all around the world to protect and prevent and rescue people from human trafficking situations. So um
1: so what is yeah. like the is it a few days or one day workshop or yeah. what is it?
0: yeah so it's a one-day workshop i think we're starting at like 10 and it's ending at around four um i'll be speaking dr caroline leaf who's a a neuropsychologist super incredibly smart woman she just brought a new um launched a new book i actually have it right here um how to help your child clean up their mental mess
1: yes i Um, loved that interview with her because by the way i there were so many takeaways for your child but i was like i'm gonna implement this in my marriage Like it's communication and sometimes our husbands can be children and (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I like this tip. Hey, you said it,
0: not me. (laughs) 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 Well, it just, it just comes down to communication. I'm sure they think the same of us sometimes. That sounds Um, like a great event. Um, yeah and and we're so excited it's gonna be fun and we just we just want to have a fun day where you know my hope is really for all the women that attend to walk out of that those doors that day and just feel like they can tackle any situation that comes their way um so yeah i'm super excited
1: maybe i'll go bobby's my husband's dad is in
0: florida i've never educated myself
1: on self-defense um and I, I think it's great, and human trafficking. I think that's really important to educate people on too. Because when you were running from that car, and nobody was yeah. even responding to you, and you're knocking on one, like I think everyone's just scared and doesn't understand how to respond. Because like you okay. said, they, they get you know they're like, is this safe? But um, educating people on that, because if there's 50 million, you said 50 million, right?
0: Yeah, an um, estimated 50 million. It's obviously something that's very hard to track, yeah. um, because it lives in darkness. It's not something that's out in the open per se. Yeah. Um, you know, so an estimated 50 million people trapped in some form of human trafficking. And, you know, it's it, once again, it sounds so. Unfathomable. It sounds like how will I even make a dent in? You know, I actually we had a briefing with a, a small group of of highly trusted people one time where we shared some of the the statistics and the things that we had learned. And I had somebody come up to me afterwards and they said, "Yeah, this is all great and well trying to save a bunch of people, but what's that really gonna do? Like, you really need to catch the perpetrators." And you know, my response to them was. Hmm. Go and tell that to that young woman that's trapped in that situation. Go and tell that to her. You know, if we can impact, if we can help bring one life into a better situation, that is worth it. That is worth it. We are are called to love God and to love people. And for as long as I live, I will do my best to love people well. I love that. I
1: get chills too, because even with the big silence in our mission, the foundation and everyone thinks you have to donate, you know, a lot for our therapy for all program, but yeah. it's like $5 or whatever it is, you know, the littlest right. amount, if we all come together and do good together, it has yeah. that snowball effect. It's true.
0: Um, and that's one thing with Unbreakable that I also felt, you know, in that moment when I was alone in that carjack situation and nobody wanted to help, help me, you know, I realized like sometimes in our life, we might be we might be bruised. We might be shaken. We might be traumatized, but when we don't walk in front of each other, not at the back of each other, but alongside each other, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, like when we stand together, we can be unbreakable. Um, and, and that's that, that's why I named it unbreakable, because it doesn't mean that we're not going to hurt. It doesn't mean that we're not going to walk through sucky situations, mm-hmm. but we can walk through those situations and there are people out there that want to help you, that want to be there for you. Um, so, you know, providing resources is is something that's very important to us with Unbreakable as well.
1: So where can someone find out how to attend your event?
0: Oh girl, it's wherever on Instagram, social yep. media. Okay. Um, we'll put it in the I, show
1: notes too. We'll find it. It's, Google it's right.
0: You're it's so it. You're so sweet. And we'd <laughs> love to have, have you be so fun. Please please come. I'll I'll save you front row
1: seat. (laughs) So you talked to, um, well, first, before we get to this question, what do you do now as your number one tip for your mental health? Because I know I've been through a lot of trauma and you can always be triggered by different things, constantly having to reshare your story, go back Mm -hmm. there. But what do you do possibly on a daily for your mental health?
0: one of the things that i was taught in therapy was actually the more you speak about your story or what happened to you the more it becomes a story and the emotion kind of gets removed from that um obviously there are things that can be very triggering um my you know i i wasn't physically harmed i you know got away from that situation i you know, got into a safe place relatively quickly. So I, you know, I know that, that there's so many worse things that could have happened or that so many women, you know, go through really, really awful situations. Um, so I, I never want to generalize, but for me, talking about it really helped because, because it removed that emotion from the situation. But I've also caught myself now six years down the line where sometimes it feels like a story and i have to remind myself that it's it it is actually real and it is actually okay to relive some of those emotions you know and that that's not necessarily a bad thing um but it's it's how we how we use that to move forward not to Pull us back, but how we use that as a launching pad to be able to move forward, to be able to heal. I'm very grateful that I had really strong, amazing woman in my life. My stepmom is actually a neuropsychologist herself. Oh, wow. Um, so from a young age, I, she taught me about healthy boundary setting. She taught me, you know, about all these things, like she equipped me with with so many emotional um, and practical, like tools that I could apply to my life. And that I still apply to this day. Uh, My parents are are divorced. And so I have four parents now. My, My parents are both remarried. And so I'm grateful for four extremely loving parents that are, you know, that's always there. And I know that's not always the case for, for everyone, but you know, one thing that I also realized with, with that situation is that we get to choose not just who speak We We don't get to choose to speak about our life, right? Like people can say whatever they want about our lives. People talk about us. People mm-hmm. say things behind our back. People might say things to us, but we get to choose. We have the power to control who we allow to speak into our life. Yes. And once I realized that, especially, you know, with social media and comment sections, it gives everyone and anyone the platform to say anything they want. And Mm -hmm. even when it's hurtful, even when they don't think you read it, even when they don't see you, you see it, you know, um, it's real, it's made me realize that I get to control who I allow to speak into my life. And I, I'm all about constructive criticism. I feel like that makes me better, but I have to make sure that where that criticism came comes from is that one, it's constructive. And two, it comes from a loving, caring place. So that's something that I constantly like fight through and co- constantly, you know, kind of sift through in a way. And then, um, it like exercising, being active having three adorable loving dogs you know like those are all things that are just on a daily basis something that i feel like is so good so good for me i i'm actually sitting in my home office at the moment and um i work from here a lot because when i travel like i don't necessarily want to drive yeah. you know to our office space and stuff so i work from home a lot but i've i've had to force myself that to like get out of the house to go and have a coffee with a friend to like go and put makeup on put some cute earrings in you know like yeah. like brush my hair and put an actual outfit on (laughs) so you know it it's it's figuring out like what works for you what makes you feel good like what 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 energizes you
1: yeah definitely working out was what I was going to ask you next too like what is your workout
0: I was in such great shape a couple months ago and I feel like I've been like the strongest I've ever been like I you know like I started weight training for really the first time in my life um And it was so motivating because I always, I always just did like high intensity interval training. And and I always thought like, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I don't want to build bulky muscles. And I had like all these stereotypical views in my, in my mind. And right now, like in all honesty, I'll like with the current, like just schedule and things that I'm working on, I'll just say like, I'm just doing my best. And that's okay. That That is perfect. Hey, (laughs) I am just doing my best, but I'm not. I'm not deciding to do nothing. Like if I can work out one time a week, that's one time a week that I I, I did something. If I don't have the energy to do, to deadlift 90 pounds today, I'm going to take my dog for a walk. I'm going to at least try and do something. I'm going to do 10 step ups. I'm going to, just do my best to love myself and love my body and give it what it needs to function really well. If that means I'm just gonna do a stretch session and I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna try and do something. In an ideal world, I love to work out about four times a week. Um, I love, I've really started getting into weight training and I actually started getting into it because my, my, both sides of my family has like a re- have like a really bad like back history. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mom and dad sharing all your <laughs> secrets. <laughs> But I, I, you know, I started doing Pilates and I started realizing, wow, I really have to be proactive. And like, it's literally a thing on like both sides of my families, both of their families. I want to get ahead of this to the best of my ability. And so I realized that I need to start strengthening myself. And um, that's kind of how I got into weight training. And so, um, I mean, by no means am I. Am I building a ton of muscle or, but I feel strong and I'm able to pick things up and right. I'm able to do things that I, you know, haven't necessarily been able to do before. And that's so encouraging and so motivating. Yeah.
1: I like your, your perspective on workouts. Cause some, today
0: I did like 10
1: curls, <laughs> 10 <laughs> presses, some you go, squats. Girl. I was like, that's <laughs> it for today. That's it. <laughs> then, you know, I'll go to the gym or I work out here or with our app and yeah it's never consistent i i give myself that permission of what do you feel like today what does your body feel like how much Mm -hmm. energy do you have and not the pressure of you know having to work out 45 minutes an hour but then some days i want to and walking with your dogs is like the best i'm sure playing with the dogs in the backyard is a workout too
0: Uh, It it is because none of them actually like playing fetch. So I feel like I'll throw the ball and they'll run after it. But then I have to go get it. That's perfect. (laughs) Like get get my steps. (laughs) But, you know, know, I do want to say I also don't think that we should be, you know, yes, we need to be kind. But sometimes kindness means pushing ourselves a little bit beyond our comfort zone. And when I kind of get in that slum of like, oh, I don't feel like working out today. And then it will turn into a week of not working out, right? Mm -hmm. So something that's really helped me is to kind of get, um my husband says this so well. He always says like not an accountability partner, but a transparency partner because mm-hmm. you can have an accountability partner that you still lie to. <laughs> <laughs> but a transparency partner, you don't, right? Yeah. So um so I like I have my set group of girls that love working out and sometimes it's just like, Hey, we're working out tomorrow morning at this time here, let's go. And yeah. or or I'll book a workout class. Um yes. or- once I've, like, and I'll, like, pay for it up front and I'll know, hey, if I don't show up, like, I'm going to be charged. So somehow that's also a way to hold yourself accountable Um yeah. and to push yourself a little bit, so.
1: Yeah, and even today, because I was telling myself I wasn't going to work out at all, but I went and I picked up dumbbells and I said, just go. And yeah. it ended up being like a 15-minute workout, but I was like, once you-, you never like, regret it, right? Yeah, so I just yeah. started doing it. I moved my body and that was good. I was just having a little funky morning, which is fine, it happens, but I even like a 15-minute
0: workout made me feel better. I love that. Yeah, there there is some things about the endorphins that, that you- crave, you know, from from just moving and working out.
1: Well, Demi, is there anything else you want to
0: share? No, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is, I feel like we could chat forever and ever. My friends got me the Stanley cup. They've been like dying over it and I feel like such an influencer. I know. I, I was like, is that the drinking cup that out of I it? get fed I know. on
1: Instagram and it has like a strap that comes with it or
0: something? Oh my gosh. No, I've like refused to buy it for the <laughs> longest time. And here I am sipping out of a straw. But anyway. Well, you're staying hydrated. I actually say you drink more when you drink through through a straw. straw. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that too. I might've
1: just been influenced because I've been thinking about it. I'm gonna go order a Stanley
0: cup. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it does help that it fits in the cup holder, I will say that is, and the handle like going, take my dogs for a walk that, I mean, that is kind of, well, I don't know why I'm talking about a cup, (laughs) but anyway. (laughs) All right, Uh, well, thank you, Demi. Thank you so much for having me, Karina. You have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Here's to radical self love. The type of love that will defeat anxiety. The type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in to be who you already are. The big silence.